Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to the Atlanta Business Radio Show. Stone Payton here with you, and this is our Women in Technology special. We have back in the studio with us Miss Sandy Welfare. How are you, sunshine? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I am doing well. You seem very excited, fit. What's going on in, in your world? Something really big must have just happened or is about to happen. You, I'm really hoping smiling. that. Yeah, I'm really hoping that might be the winning of Mega Millions or something, although I do have to get a ticket in order to win. So <laughs> hopefully. So what's going on over in your camp? You got some neat things cooking, getting ready for, for summer, right? Getting ready for summer. But we just had our big event in Columbus, Georgia. So uh, first time having uh, the two CIOs from there, from Aflac, uh, Julia Davis, as well as uh, Renee Roth from uh, Sonova. So a really interesting um, event for us, and more importantly, getting more of the Columbus State University students involved in women in technology. You guys are so good at cultivating, providing for the care and feeding of your community and putting these events together. Where are you in your process for for planning your, your WIT connect that comes up? I mean, we're pretty much um, underway. Um, all these sponsors are coming in. We have NTT Data as our presenting sponsor this year, which is the old Dell Services. And then, of course, we've just gotten uh, Catherine Finney um, of Digital Undivided as our keynote speaker. So we're very excited for the year. Oh, yeah, that's a fantastic win. Congratulations. And, and being at the new SunTrust Park, I think it's going to be a very different vibe for us. So excited. Absolutely. You brought some friends with you for today's I episode. Did indeed. And these are old neighbors. When I worked at Cool Girls, we uh, basically worked upstairs and they were downstairs. And we have in the studio one cool guy and, and three cool girls, too, we go. haven't met yet. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So we'll get a chance to visit with all of them. But first up, let's introduce from Blue Fletch Managing Partner, Mr. Rick Makerson. How are you, man? Doing well. How are you doing? I am doing well. Delighted to have you in the studio today. Tell us a little bit about Blue Fletch. What are you guys out there doing for folks? Absolutely. So Blue Fletch is an IT consulting company at its heart. We help enterprise companies innovate, specifically in the area of mobility and IoT. So these large corporations around here, when they want to do something very innovative, have it um, get out very fast, on time, on budget, you know, typically they call us in. Well, I'll tell you, IoT, uh, I'm a managing partner here at the Business Radio X Network, and I help run the Sandy Springs studio. So I see all the bookings when they come across for this studio and more and more recently, there's been like a flurry of people who want to talk about this IoT. Can you say more about that? Right. So um, IoT, Internet of Things, what does that mean? That means really you're taking a thing and an object and connecting it to the Internet, providing some type of data uh, with the sensor. So a couple of good examples. Take a pacemaker. You put a pacemaker into somebody, it keeps the heart pumping. But if you put a sensor or connect that pacemaker to a back-end service, now that pacemaker can alert a doctor if somebody's heart reaches you know, a very high level and they need immediate attention. You could put a sensor on your refrigerator. So if you're out of milk or out of eggs, um, it can send you a text message or send you a Snapchat message. Okay, you just got me very excited and a little bit scared. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So, I mean, that, that does open up all kinds of opportunities in general, specifically for blue-fledged. Is that, what kind of opportunities is that opening up for you guys in the near term? It does. So working with large corporations, they're looking to gain efficiencies, looking to provide greater ROI. So what you'll see with Internet of Things, specifically for our clients, are how can we gather better, better data to provide a better customer experience? Uh, maybe save fuel. So if we are sending physical people out in big trucks to monitor things out in the field, could we put sensors and provide that data and maybe, you know, help save the planet, help, you know, have somebody do something different with their time? All right. So we're going to get to the real secret sauce behind all this in a moment when we visit uh, with two ladies from Blue Fletch. But I got to know, what does a managing partner at Blue Fletch do day to day? Tell us about a day in the life of, of Rick. Okay. I get up real early, probably uh, while it's still dark outside and have coffee, um, answer emails, try to catch up on what's going on in the tech world. And me personally being uh, a geek at heart, I, I try to stay in tune with the latest. So I try to play around with coded technology, but not necessarily be responsible for delivery. But um, a lot of my uh, duties right now is you know, managing those relationships with those companies. So trying to stay on top of their problems, stay involved to see how we can help. Um, being involved in the office is, you know, participating in daily standups where people need help filling gaps. Can I see something uh, where either I can help or point to where somebody else can help? And, you know, at the end of the day, just um, being around and trying to be a metronome for the company. In your backstory, I mean, some of the things that we're talking about today, I, I'm wagering, didn't even exist when you were in school. So it's not like you said, I'm going to go do that when you went in school, did you? Or, or what is, what's your backstory? Um, native Georgian, uh, grew up, I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia. I uh, went to Morehouse College here in Atlanta, um, majored in computer science. Um, I've always had a knack for taking things apart or not being afraid of electronics or... Oh, he's one of those. <laughs> we all have one of those in our lives, right? Yeah. Uh, and coming out of school, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So ironically, I started a trucking company after getting a computer science degree. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, after a few years of that, not wanting to you know, spend the rest of my career with dispatchers and truckers, um, I went back into technology. So I joined Accenture. I was in their enterprise mobility group. Um, did that for a number of years before we started Blue Fletch doing um, basically what we were doing at Accenture, but kind of calling our own shots on our own terms. Well, I'm glad I asked because I got to tell you, you don't look that long in the tooth. I wasn't expecting that much backstory. You, I mean, you come pretty well credentialed, seasoned, experienced. You got some scar tissue. I'm going to swing back around probably and ask some questions about your entrepreneurial experience. Uh, but let's get to the headliners. Let, let, let's talk to, to these two. Please join me in uh, welcoming to the program UX UI designer. I'm going to make sure we confirm what UX and UI means. I have my suspicions. Nicole Gatlin. And we also have with us business experience lead, Kira Greco. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. Let's start with you, Nicole. Uh, UX user experience? Yes. UI. Okay. I don't have a guess for that one. <laughs> so UI is user interface. Interface. So, so yeah, any anytime where a user is on their cell phone or um, on their device and they come in contact with what they see on the screen. So someone is behind that designing that. All right. So you're designing that. And are you designing it for 
apps or is my frame of reference too confined? What, what are you doing that for? Sure. Um, at Blue Fledge, it's mostly apps, um, but we do do, you know, we do, and we do those on iOS and Android apps. Um, we do it on rugged devices for enterprise apps, um, but also, you know, um, web, tablet, anytime that kind of you're on a screen coming into contact with that. All right. So what I think I remember, and I may have this wrong, but that one of your strong suits at Blue Fletch is this rapid prototype development. Is that still, uh, you know, one, your, your your song? I mean, is that sure. one of the main things that you guys are really known for? Absolutely. Yeah. So we um, we use a software called Sketch, um, and it's along with the Adobe Creative Suite. Um, the designers at Blue Fletch, um, an, another person and myself, um, we work to. Um, quickly mock up in first off in wireframes, kind of the overall um, functionality and components that an application needs to have. And then we move on to high fidelity screens that the developers can kind of use as a roadmap to um, create the app in a working form. All right. So in this UX world, what are some things that you see other people doing that you you probably start to see some patterns, right? That that you see out in the marketplace, and you just sort of roll your eyes. <laughs> you say, "Oh man, here we go again. We could we could so help these guys." It, what are some of those uh, mistakes? I don't, maybe that's a little strong. Sure, but yeah, um, I think that with the exposure that you know, everyone's on the internet. Everyone, the average consumer, sees so much of what's what's out there that the kind of threshold for um, good design that people are expecting is much higher than it's ever been. So even on um, enterprise apps that someone in the back of a warehouse is using, that consumer, that user is expecting a level of usability that wasn't expected before. Um, so yeah, so we're creating things um, that are easy to use and sometimes even fun to use in a space that might not even have expected that. So in the development process, does design, before you ever go out to the public, I think I, I'm confident that once you get it out to the public, it's everything it needs to be. But in, you know, but when everybody's got their sleeves rolled up and everything, does design sometimes conflict with experience and interface? Is it, does, sure. And, <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's a delicate dance. <laughs> you between, throw stuff at each other. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's definitely a delicate dance between the designers and the developers. Um, the designers often saying, like, oh, I want this to look this certain way. And then the, the developer, the dialogue with the developers coming back and saying, well, that's absolutely not possible. Um, and so it's like... <laughs> Rick it's, is over here smiling. Yeah, he's a developer. So, <laughs> so it's, a lot of, it's a lot of back and forth and it's a lot of, you know, give and take. And in the end, we hope that we come up with um, the best solution that All looks right. good and functions properly. So, All right, I want Kira to weigh in here. You are business experience lead. What does that mean? What 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 do you do and how do you interact with, with these two? Sure. Well, uh, that, that's a title that I made up for myself. Nice. And it's specific to what I'm trying to describe as a Jill of all trades except perhaps development. Um, so I'll do project management for a project. I'll do UX design like Nicole. I'll do business analysis, which um, is still part of the design process, but you're more using words as opposed to images. Um, I'll do QA or marketing. Um, so I have made up that term to encompass all of that. <laughs> nice job security, right? Right. So QA is part of that. Um, I'm thinking this could be kind of fun. Is part of it that you try to break it while it's, you know, before you unleash it? 
Uh, I do break it. I think <laughs> you're yeah. good. You're not. You don't yeah. just do this. You're good at it, right? <laughs> um, very, very good at breaking things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, in preparing for this career, did you come along at a time where you could specifically take courses, or or you knew, look, this is my path, and so you just jumped on that path, or did you find this in a little bit of a circuitous way? Right. So I'm an engineer by training. Uh, I've got a degree in civil engineering and construction management. Um, and then after college, I went to the Anheuser-Busch Global Management Training Program, um, where we just learned about all different kinds or all different silos of the Anheuser-Busch business. And then I was a floor manager in a brewery. So to, to the extent of having specific training for, we'll say, business analysis or project management, um, I, I don't really. Um, I think one of the reasons that tech industry is interesting is that you can enter it just being a smart person and applying your general skills to the industry, unless you're a developer, in which case you actually need to have development skills, which is why <laughs> my business experience uh, includes everything but, right? Well, Sandy, this is why I love to ask this question. It's amazing the answers that you that you get, and I I always find it fascinating the the paths that people take um, that land them in 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 a in a craft, an occupation that they have so much passion for and that they truly excel at. And I hope it's a message to our listeners and aspiring entrepreneurs and young people that uh, you can you can make some pivots as you go along. Yeah. And, and big pivots as well. <laughs> and I think maybe we, we, we've all done that. Okay, I want to talk about the, uh, the connection between Blue Fletch and uh, women in technology. Rick, what's that relationship all, all about? Why are you guys connected like you are? Well, it's really easy. Sandy called me up and asked me to be a partner. Um, before that, I think she alluded to the proximity of when she was executive director uh, for cool girls. And so we would see each other all the time. But um, it was also a great opportunity to partner with um, a, an organization that had a great cause, that had a great message, and had a lot of what I would think um, momentum behind it. And so uh, I think to Kara's point, you know, as Blue Fletch became more diverse, as we started to um, see more not only women in technology, but women at Blue Fletch. Um, I think it was important for us to partner with an organization like Women in Technology to have an outlet um, so that, you know, not only could we support um, what's caused in the community, but also give the women that are at Blue Fletch the opportunity to um, participate. Sandy, where are we in this? Because we've had this conversation before uh, specifically about STEM, uh, young ladies being involved and wanting to pursue careers or at least education and exposure in that arena. Are the stats still headed in the wrong direction? Are they moving where we want? What's the, the, the state of the union, if you will, on this? Well, the stats are definitely not going in the direction that we would want, which would be more women in technology and engineering uh, specifically. But I think that what we aren't counting as a part of that is that there are quite a few women, particularly for the millennial generation, where they're choosing to opt into entrepreneurship. So I think that we're not seeing um, them stay within a corporate structure. They're just going and doing their own thing. But I think what's nice about it is that there's options such as Blue Fletch um, as a you know true tech company that gives them the 
uh, voice and culture that promotes them in a very positive way. And that to me, you can't, you can't buy it. You've got to groom that. You've got to make it. And I think that's the reason why they're such a wonderful partner for us. Culture. Okay. I want to talk about culture at Blue Fletch. Uh, so I, I want to go back to you, Nicole. T- what is life like inside Blue Fletch? Describe it if you want. All right. Um, it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm new to Blue Fletch. I've been there for about six months. That's um, perfect, though. We yeah. get some fresh eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before that, I was working by myself. So any, any upgrade um, <laughs> to working with people has been great. Um, but yeah, the, it's a great company culture. Um, I think on my offer letter, Part of the perks that came along with it were were uh, mention of the shuffleboard table in the in the kitchen. Um, we we do all sorts of you know team building. Um, time, tomorrow we're going bowling together. Sweet, um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like a fun open environment. Um, a lot of trust from our superiors in us getting our work done. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very trusting environment and very very fun, high fast paced. It's great. All right, Carol, let's get the real story. You've been yeah. there longer? Uh, yeah, I've been there about three years. Uh-huh. All right. So what's it, from your perspective? Um, I, I think it. I'll, I would build on a lot of the things that Nicole said. I think that Rick and Brett, Brett is the other managing partner, um, the, the environment that they've built allows people to pursue their interests while getting work done. Um, so if you have an interest or you have an idea, uh, generally all you need to do is pitch it to Rick or Brett they give you a thumbs up and you go ahead and do it. Um, I think a lower down, like any tech company, we have a pretty high throughput. Um, people are constantly coming and going um, as they enter the business and then get skills and go into higher positions at other companies. So it, it also is a nice fostering environment for people to grow because they know that there is a step out at a higher level at the end of the game. Well, that has to be very encouraging. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the work. And just hypothetically, let's say that there were a business talk radio network on the verge of expanding beyond regional, and they were very serious about that. And they are upgrading website platform, getting more serious about design, uh, Nicole, and, and, and experience. And they have some people who have given them some very definitive feedback. You guys got to have an app or maybe even more accurately, apps, because we have multiple studios, multiple channels, multiple media properties. Uh, what does that process look like? Um, let's say we reach out to you or you find us. Walk us through maybe at least some of the early stages of an engagement, whoever wants to, wants to feel that. I'd like to get a feel for what working with you guys looks like from the client perspective. Sure, I'll feed that. Um, one of the things that we've tried to be more intentional about uh, this year is having workshops exactly for that problem. So, um, you know, we would reach out to you, set up a time, maybe 90 minutes, could be half a day where we bring in a team of people and we sit around and really workshop that idea. So let's work through the problem. You have you know, designers, business analysts, um, usually a technical architect, Brett or myself are there, and we try to unpack the problem And at the end of that, you leave with some great next steps as far as identifying some great problems to tackle in priority. Um, You know, some of your technical challenges where you could have kind of a mama bear, papa bear, baby bear approach to this as far as investment. And, um, you know, you have logical next steps. So whether that's 
let's try out one of these proof of concepts that you talked about, these, one of these rapper prototypes on one of the smaller brands to, to see how that works, see how leadership works, see how leadership likes it, see if you get any feedback from your listeners, um, and then continue to go on. So we try to have a very pragmatic approach. So there's an idea that seems to make a lot of sense, and I think many, including myself, fail to do it. Put something out there, get the data, make the pivot, but in putting something out there, um, actually get the data, ask the user, right, Nicole, what do you think? What would you do? do I, don't, I don't even know what the questions are, but just genuinely taking the time to, to ask, as opposed to sitting in the ivory tower and saying, wow, that looks great. Let's pull the, pull the trigger on it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think some of the, the, one of the biggest problems or challenges, I guess, in, in coming to a new project is figuring out what that problem statement is, figuring out who your user is, but then really distilling the problem into one thing. Uh, I think that's where those workshops really come in handy is kind of guiding um, guiding our clients through the process of distilling their problem sentence. Well, I got to say, I think that we need the help. And when I say we, you know, the two owners of the network and the two that run this specific studio and support all these other studios and channels, I mean, we're two old guys, right? And I think at some point in the process, we would be fairly articulate and saying, wow, that looks great. We like that. But you almost have to have a, I don't know, a consultant, a therapist, somebody there to draw out from us, right? What what we're doing, why we're doing it, those kinds of things. So yes, there's the the technical side of what you guys do, but to really pull it off, you really have to be able to build relationships, work with people. I, I speak to that. Is, is that an accurate assessment, Gabe? Yeah, I think during the, the beginning part of the process, um, Nicole alluded to this, but what, what you're really trying to do is get the client to be able to visualize their process without actually doing it, right? So that, that's why we make mock-ups. That's why we ask questions is that we're trying to get in your head and get you into a spot where you're going through your process and then you naturally tell us, oh, that would be an issue because of this. Oh, but I actually need to do this in this edge case. So the, the, the visualization is really what we're trying to achieve through the business analysis and the design process. Now, are there certain industries more so than others or sectors of the economy or types of businesses or sizes of businesses that seem to gravitate to you guys more than others? Is there a sweet spot or two? Or what does that demo look like? All right. So we do a lot of work with the Home Depot, um, with them being such a giant in retail. Um, we also do a lot of work in that vertical. But I would say when you talk about sweet spot of a company, it's traditionally an enterprise company that's been around for a while, probably um, on the verge of a billion or more in revenue and traditionally have a mature IT department. And so typically, um, you know, like yourself or any other company, they may have an idea that they want to try, but they might not have the skill set to execute on it um, in an effective manner internally. And so they would bring in a partner with a company like Blue Fletch to come, in, to come beside them to help them execute on that idea um, or, uh, you know, a, a very large idea or deployment. And so... Um, that's how we kind of act as a catalyst for those type of companies. 
And many of these organizations, I mean, they're becoming quite serious about this. They recognize the opportunity. They recognize the need. Uh, many of them, they will have a, a grand poobah of mobility, right, in these, in these big companies nowadays. Is that true? That's true. And uh, you'll see a lot of these companies have innovation centers. So there's a, ah. there's a handful of them um, in the Synergy Building in Midtown. Um, there's a big consulting firm that's announced 10, I think, around the United States. It's going to happen uh, pretty soon. So they're very serious about innovation. They're very serious about building those skills internally. Um, but to Kier's earlier point, you know, folks, especially, let's say especially millennials, but folks now are coming into um, situations, learning, building skills, and then seeing where else they can be effective. Well, I have to tell you, well, I don't have to, but I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> we now have a millennial correspondent who comes in periodically. He's, he's an author. He's written a book about uh, making happiness for, for millennials. And he was sharing with us one of the many who has, Stone, you got to have an app. And I started describing, I said, hey, Chris, look, we're going to, we got this new sexy website we're doing and it's got this and that. And here, let me show you my phone. I, I already have it, uh, the website that we have bookmarked. So that's kind of like an app, is it? And he just like, he shut me down. <laughs> he, he like physically motioned to me like, nobody in, in my uh, age group is even paying attention to you on those kinds of uh, media platforms. Yeah, people consume um, information and they want access to information in different ways. Um, you could take a toddler let's say to my house, because I don't have any kids, my kid, my house isn't baby safe, but my TV sits really low. And so a two-year-old might walk in and when he's ready to change the channel, he's going to swipe the screen. And, uh -huh. and it's not a touch screen, but he has that <laughs> expectation of I'm done with this. If I touch it, <laughs> something else should happen. And, you know, somebody could, um, I'm surprised a millennial didn't talk about, you know, um, having an Alexa skill or building it into Google Home where if I have an app and maybe I get an alert on my Apple Watch, Ah. You know, Alexa turned the Radio X and she turns the Radio X and now it's playing throughout my house. Now that you mentioned, I think maybe he did. <laughs> How cool would that be? I have I have an Alexa and we love it. Yeah. So that expectation is is changing. It's changing very rapidly. And so, um, you know, I think there'll be a lot of work out there for companies like Blue Fletch to stay on that bleeding edge and understand how these larger companies can bring uh, those solutions uh, to life, especially at scale. But, um, but yeah, for, you know, radio stations like yourself, you know, it's, it's more than just an app right now. All right. Before we wrap, let's brainstorm a little bit and have a, a little conversation. How can we help Sandy? How can, how can we help Wit? And maybe we start by asking Sandy, what can we do? What can we do to help? I mean, really, in all honesty, it's really um, staying connected and doing everything we can to ensure that, uh, you know, all the relationships that WIT has, we see these as win-win uh, scenarios. This is a beyond a year point. We really want it to be expanded. And so if we look at our partners, they're in it for the long term. And more, more so because we're both wanting to get something out of it. We're trying to encourage the younger generation to look at STEM in a different way. And we're getting them ready to be the next group that they hire. And so from a uh, continuity perspective, we both need each other. And I think that that's um, a key component to why we're uh, seemingly always um, finding ways that we can help each other connect. All right. So um, so this could extend to sitting down with people who have a genuine interest, like, like Lee and I and, and, and like Blue Fletch, and there may be something that isn't already crafted and part of the 
program that, hey, here's a way we can help. I mean, you're up for those kinds of conversations, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Don't worry. I'll be following up with you. <laughs> I, I, I have been known to be a stalker at times. Well, and that's why you're so good at, at, at what you do. Uh, all right. So let's make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with the Blue Fletch folks. If they want to um, learn more, maybe attend one of these workshops, have a conversation with someone uh, on your team. I, I don't know, LinkedIn, email, website address. What, what's the, the best way for someone to reach out and learn more and have a conversation with, with Blue Fletch? You can visit our website at bluefletch.com, B-L-U-E-F-L-E-T-C-H.com. You can email us at info at bluefletch.com. We're you can hit us on Twitter. We're, we're very easy to get a hold of. And so um, we offer these workshops uh, for free. Um, specifically, you know, if you have a new idea or if you're stuck or you need um, a good sounding board, we're here to provide that help. Well, keep up the good work, gang. This is fantastic. And I am so glad that Sandy brought you in the studio. We got we have to catch up with you periodically. This is fantastic. And thank you for supporting uh, women in, in technology and, and all the neat stuff that Sandy and her crew are doing. All right, uh, coordinates for women in technology, and let's make sure that people are very well aware of near-term upcoming events and then the big powwow in, in June. Well, definitely go to mywit.org. Um, that's our website where you can find just about anything that's coming up. We do have quite a few events for WIT Girls and WIT Campus. Uh, next week's WIT Forum on cybersecurity is sold out. And so we're uh, not needing anyone to um, register for that. But of course, go on to uh, check out WIT Connect 2017. This is our 25th year here in Georgia. So we're definitely wow. needing to uh, get the word out and um, get that room full at SunTrust Park. All right. For Women in Technology, Blue Fletch, all of our friends in the Business Radio X family, this is Stone Payton signing off. We'll see you next time on Atlanta Business Radio.